Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm former FBI Assistant Director Frank Figluzzi. Join me on a journey deep inside the world's premier law enforcement agency to decode the mysteries and challenges of today's FBI. The threats facing America are as real as the men and women who battle to protect us. In this first-of-a-kind podcast, we sit down with active-duty FBI personnel who reveal their mission, their cases, and their lives. Let's go inside the Bureau with Frank Figluzzi. Yet another vast territory to cover. The same distance from Honolulu to Guam as it is from Honolulu to Oklahoma City. A mythical police agency, a a Hawaii state police agency. The work attire in the Hawaiian Islands is what's called Aloha Crisp. From counterterrorism to espionage to white collar to violent crime. Paloma Luck and her sister Malena Luck. Involvement of community partners, mental health partners. The Hawaiian word is ohana, a family, both inside and outside the office. Well, this podcast has taken us to the edge of the FBI's jurisdictions. Uh, Last season, we ventured into FBI Buffalo, New York, and spoke about the Joint Terrorism Task Forces there. Today, we're taking another route. We'll journey to FBI Honolulu in the great state of Hawaii. And to do that, no better guest can we have than... The head of FBI Honolulu, Special Agent in Charge, Steve Merrill. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Frank. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure, and I know we are in very different time zones, and so I, I extra appreciate this. And I'm excited about talking about a field office that I don't think a lot of folks think about when they imagine the FBI and its territories. And before we dive deep into life in our 50th state, let's start with the way I prefer to start with every guest, which is the fascinating journey they took into the FBI. Tell us a little bit about 
your journey to the Bureau, where you started, where you came from, and then some of the places and things you've worked, uh, where, where you've been assigned, what you've touched and been a part of during your lengthy FBI career. Yeah, I joined the FBI uh, right out of college. As it turns out, as a college student, I was the uh, president of our chapter engineering society. And that uh, engineering society had a journal published uh, on a bi-monthly basis. And I happened to read an article that was written by two supervisory special agents of the FBI assigned to the engineering section, uh, talking about what the FBI does with audio and video recordings. And uh, I found it fascinating, uh, so fascinating that I reached out to them and uh, asked them a few follow-up questions about their uh, journal article. We ended up meeting at the Engineering Society's annual conference, and uh, one thing led to another. Again, they invited me for the interview and offered me a position with the FBI at the engineering section. And uh, soon after graduating college, I joined the FBI, and I spent three or four years as an engineering uh, section employee, engineer slash forensic scientist, reviewing FBI evidence on a daily basis. At the same time, I was going to graduate school where I earned a master's degree in forensic science. And uh, I was able to couple the two by actually publishing a couple professional journal articles showcasing what the FBI does in the engineering section. And uh, I ended up at some point learning that although I loved my job, Uh, and still have great friends in those positions, uh, that the job in the FBI that I really wanted to do was becoming an FBI agent. So after that time, I left my position on a Friday afternoon at Quantico, Virginia, at the engineering section, returned back Sunday evening across the street from my old job, and began my training at the FBI Academy uh, in 1994. And I've been an FBI agent ever since. Yeah, I think one of the things our listeners enjoy, as do I, is just hearing all of the various job roles in the FBI and and the ability to transition between them. So you started out with engineering and hard science, and then you joined the ranks of the special agent position. Catch us up um, on your, your FBI career as a special agent. Yeah, I'd love to. I joined the FBI as an agent uh, and was assigned to San Francisco as my first field office. I had never been to San Francisco uh, and I fell in love with it uh, like most people do. It's a wonderful place to work. Uh, And I was in a very unique situation in San Francisco as a a new agent, whereby uh, I was assigned to the Unibomb Task Force, uh, which was a case that had been going on at that point for I think about 17 years. And uh, of course my worry, like uh, other new agents with me that were assigned to that case was that this would be the last, uh, the first and last case we ever worked on, uh, that it would go on forever. Uh, We had an incredible set of squads. We had three squads at one point of uh, agents from FBI, ATF, Postal Inspection Service mainly. And uh, it was a, a group that was comprised of a lot of new agents like myself and a lot of very senior agents, uh, agents that had joined the FBI after service in Vietnam for uh, some of them. And the uh, group really, we just really meshed and we got along great and we, uh, we all loved each other. And I learned so much from the senior agents, I was very lucky. And uh, we spent three years together on the Unibomb Task Force. And luckily enough, we were there at the end, uh, able to see the case through to uh, conviction and sentencing. 
And at that point, I stayed in San Francisco and uh, started a public corruption squad. And I worked mainly public corruption in San Francisco, both as an agent and as a supervisor for uh, you know the next 15 years of my career, interspersed with a, a two-year assignment to the FBI legal attache office at the U.S. Embassy in New Delhi, India, where I covered six countries, uh, including India, Bangladesh, Nepal, Maldives, Sri Lanka, and Bhutan. Uh, and after my time as a supervisor in San Francisco, supervising white collar crime, uh, including corruption and civil rights matters, both in San Francisco and Oakland, I uh, went back overseas for a second time, which is uh, quite rare in the FBI. I got two opportunities. Uh, and this time I spent four years as the FBI assistant legal attache in Manila, Philippines, uh, where I worked mainly counterterrorism matters in the Philippines. And after those four years, I uh, joined the FBI Boston team covering Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts as the white collar crime assistant special agent in charge. Had some very interesting cases uh, under my purview at the time, uh, including the Varsity Blues college admission scandal. Uh, and that uh, ended up bringing me to FBI headquarters as a section chief in the criminal investigative division, where uh, for two years I led the FBI's financial crime section, uh, handling what is generally considered white collar crime matters, as well as the forensic accountant program, money laundering. Uh, and uh, after a couple of years there in Washington at our headquarters, I, uh, as you mentioned, joined the FBI Honolulu Division as a special agent in charge in 2021, and uh, I'm very proud to say that I'm the boss of the office here, covering uh, Honolulu, the Hawaiian Islands, Guam, Saipan, and American Samoa. Yeah, wow. So there, you know, here's another neat thing about the FBI career is not only are there hundreds of job roles, but then once once you're in one of those roles you get to be a part of such high profile historical cases from, from Unabomber to up to current day in the varsity blues uh, college admission scandal. You, you had some neat roles overseas. Can you dig in a little more on um, your representation of the FBI abroad? Yes, I'd love to. Uh, In New Delhi, where I spent the years 2007, 2008, uh, it was an interesting time geopolitically to be overseas. And, you know, I had never even went outside the U.S. until I was 26. And here I was living uh, in uh, just an incredibly interesting and vibrant area. Those two years I spent there, I mainly worked counterterrorism matters and handling a, a number of critical incidents, uh, along with the fact that as assistant legal attache, we had a great embassy team environment with uh, at a large embassy, you'd expect a lot of different federal agencies. I also work really closely with our extraterritorial squads, uh, and particularly out of Los Angeles, handling bombings uh, and other uh, criminal matters like that. And it really culminated after uh, the end of my two-year tour to spend uh, three weeks as the FBI and the actually foreign law enforcement's uh, first responder to the 2008 Mumbai terror attacks. As uh, the story goes, I was actually on a trip, a two-day trip uh, outside of New Delhi when the attack started, and I rerouted my trip down to Mumbai, where I ended up spending the next three weeks. And uh, in that experience, it was just a, an incredibly uh, tragic uh, series of events which uh, caused the loss of life of over 160 people. And as the 
FBI and foreign law, law enforcement representative, I spent a great deal of my time trying to identify uh, foreign victims of those attacks to the, uh, the countries uh, that they came from, as well as during the attacks, trying to uh, do my best to work with the Indian first responders to uh, make sure that those that were trapped in the hotels and other places, uh, to the extent possible, were extricated from the critical incident and uh, able to uh, leave the hotels, hopefully unscathed. But uh, yeah, a lot of incredible experiences. And then moving forward to my time in Manila, Again, uh, you know, just an interesting place. Uh, I was treated very well there. At the same time, I was there, uh, though uh, there were a number of kidnappings uh, and other crimes against U.S. citizens and other foreign people living in the Philippines. So uh, it always kept me busy and uh, was never uh, short of interesting. Okay, let's hit pause so I can share something new from the folks at Wondery Podcasts. It's called Generation Y. That's W-H-Y. Imagine you have two friends who are obsessed with crime, murder, mayhem, and unsolved mysteries. They have a passion for breaking down cases that have been cold for years. Welcome to Generation Y, a podcast where hosts Aaron and Justin give startling theories, dive into forensic evidence, and share their bold opinions. They dig deep, looking for answers on cases of missing spouses, mysterious murders, serial killers, and more. One of the newest episodes tells the story of Jody, who was murdered on her way to meet her boyfriend, Luke. Because Luke discovered her body, he was a person of interest. Throughout the trial, he insisted he was innocent, yet was still sentenced to a minimum of 20 years. Was he telling the truth, or is he actually the murderer? In another chilling episode, Peter Bergna's truck crashed off a cliff near Reno. His wife, Renette, died, but Peter survived. Was it an accident, or did he intentionally crash? Generation Y reviews every detail of these cases to uncover the truth. My own interest in unsolved mysteries and crimes started as a young boy, long before I became an FBI agent. If Generation Y was available back then, I'd have listened to it. And now, thankfully... We all can. Listen to the Generation Y podcast on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or listen one week early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. This is where I get to tell you that the folks at Acorn TV have given me a free trial of their streaming service. The pandemic quarantine made TV a saving grace for many of us, But by now, if you're like me, you feel like you've watched every show imaginable. If you're tired of scrolling through all the same movies and shows and coming up empty, you should try Acorn TV like I have. Acorn TV has compelling stories, exclusive premieres, and hundreds of shows from around the world. There's always something new with new releases every single week. If you like my podcast, you'll like the Acorn TV series called Jack Irish. He's an Aussie who's a private investigator assisted by his girlfriend. His cases plunge him into Melbourne's criminal underbelly. Acorn TV costs only a fraction of most streaming services at only $5.99 a month. Do what I've done and try Acorn TV free for 30 days. Go to acorn.tv and use my promo code FRANK. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV code Frank, for 30 days of free Acorn TV. 
And let's get right back to our topic. I always like to think that our leadership journeys prepare us for the next uh, step ahead, the next leadership responsibility. And I think yours clearly has equipped you with those those skills, experiences. And now here you are um, with yet another vast territory to cover. Give us a feel for what uh, the size and scope of FBI Honolulu is responsible for the vastness of your territory, the time zones involved, and the unique challenges of working in the 50th state? There are a number of challenges, uh, but I think it's the best place uh, in, in, in America to live. Uh, I just absolutely love it here. The area of responsibility extends between uh, basically the West Coast all the way to American Samoa, Saipan, and Guam. So to put things into perspective, uh, here in Honolulu, which is most people know who have traveled here uh, from the mainland, you know, it's a six hour flight from the West Coast. To, for me to get to Guam, for instance, where I have a number of personnel representing our division at the Guam office, it is the same distance from Honolulu to Guam as it is from Honolulu to Oklahoma City. You know, it's uh, almost 4,000 miles away. So, uh, you know, for us to move around through our AOR, it can be difficult. And because of that, we really do rely on our local partners, probably more so than other offices, both federal, state, and local. Uh, and we have quite a, a great community, a very tight-knit community, both inside the office and with our partners. So on a, on a regular basis, uh, I'm uh, not just working here in Honolulu, but working in Guam and Saipan and, of course, the other Hawaiian offices. So uh, it's a vast area, and uh, we cover a lot of ground, but um, you know we're all up for the challenge, and it's just part of life here in Hawaii for us and our partners. You know, when I was head of an FBI field office, I thought I had uh, some travel when I had to get in the car and drive three hours to my farthest satellite office, which we call resident agencies. You've got, you've got a little further to go than that. How, how long does it take you to get to uh, when you need to get on a plane and go visit one of your resident agencies in Guam or Saipan? What's that? How long is that? Yeah, and it, it's funny you should say that because I'm actually leaving uh, this weekend to go on a trip to Guam. And uh, yeah, I'll get to the airport uh, here in Honolulu at uh, about noon. And uh, I will spend uh, six, I'm sorry, eight hours on the flight. It's interesting, especially because Guam is a day ahead of us. And I mentioned that I had spent time at the embassy in Manila. I actually, on a couple of occasions, needed to travel to Hawaii from Manila. And uh, it's, uh, in many ways, a mind-blowing experience. You would leave, for instance, Manila on a Tuesday, get to Guam on a Wednesday, and then connect to Honolulu and get back to Honolulu on a Tuesday. So you're going back and forward in time just to have conferences uh, on a, and a phone call to our employees in Guam and Saipan. Uh, it can be a scheduling nightmare just because they're a day ahead and a few hours off. So, yeah, it's an experience. And uh, but, you know, just another thing that makes this office unique. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let's dive into some of the work and the priorities. Um, every office has a different domain, as the intelligence analysts like to say, and it's it's really, as the head of the office, it's up to you to really get to know your, your domain, the unique 
threats uh, and crime problems there. Can you share with us some of the, the top priorities that, uh, that have been identified in your territory? Yeah, in our uh, Hawaiian territory, um, we have a fairly well-balanced caseload between criminal matters and national security matters. The national security matters uh, are more on the counterintelligence side, uh, as most people know who have visited uh, the Hawaiian Islands, uh, as well as Guam. We have a large Department of Defense contingent here with you know, a lot of uh, both personnel as well as you know, materials that our foreign adversaries uh, would love to get their hands on. So from the national security side, we are very uh, working very closely with our partners here to make sure that the uh, US uh, secrets and uh, close hold information are kept just that and trying to protect against uh, you know, our foreign adversaries who being as this far into the Pacific are you know, in many cases uh, closer than the rest of the Bureau. On the criminal side, uh, you know, we have a variety of criminal threats just like every other office. Uh, we uh, have historically made corruption one of the priorities here in the office, both here and in Guam. And in terms of uh, other matters, in, in addition to that, um, we spend a lot of our efforts trying to protect the Hawaiian word is uh, kapuna, our elderly, uh, from frauds, as well as our keiki, the, the youngsters, uh, from being uh, threatened as well through any uh, violent crime threat. So the, those efforts on both sides, the national security and the criminal, are worked in conjunction every day with our state, local, and federal partners. As I said before, uh, you know, we have this incredible feeling here of the Hawaiian word is ohana, of family, both inside and outside the office. And because uh, the next office is 6,000, I'm sorry, uh, 3,000 miles away, six hour flight away, we rely on uh, all of our partners to be able to take care of these threats and handle them as a team and uh, in true Hawaiian Ohana fashion. Yeah, you're sitting there in the middle of the Pacific Rim. And, and as you said, that, um, that does bring unique challenges. Uh, so look, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, since I'm, I'm kind of hearing the theme music of the original Hawaii Five O series, TV series, as we talk, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. And, and only in the context of, I guess, two things. One is my memory with that old series, which is now, of course, um, has been redone and modernized. But in those days, uh, the TV series, those guys were uh, all wearing suits and ties every day somehow in tropical weather, which always amused me. But secondly, that TV series was about a, a mythical police agency, a, a Hawaii state police agency that, if uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't actually exist. How... How does policing work in the state of Hawaii? Who are your partners and how does it differ from, say, the rest of the states? Yeah, it's funny you should say that. Uh, I, I grew up uh, as a fan of the show as well. And uh, yeah, there are some misconceptions. Of course, it's Hollywood. Uh, there is no state police. You're correct. The way the Hawaiian uh, police structure is set up, each island has their own chief, basically. There's four police chiefs in the entire state. One on Oahu, for instance, uh, you know, one on Maui, et cetera. So uh, each uh, police agency, like the Honolulu Police Department, uh, polices the entire island. So they are uh, on Oahu, the Honolulu Police Department, our number one partner uh, from, this, from that level because they are uh, the biggest agency here. And uh, throughout the islands, uh, again, we work with the chiefs uh, on each uh, island uh, and uh, great partners. And we're very lucky to have such uh, great police forces here. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the Hawaii 5 is a myth, but, um, 
you know, there is a strong police presence here and uh, they, they do a great job and we're lucky to be able to partner with them. And and so on that uh, suit and tie thing, is there a varied uh, varied look there for agents? Or they you know the typical agent in everyone's mind has has got that business attire on. Uh, what 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 does it look like uh, for your agents? And then what are, what's your preference or choice there as the head of the office? Yeah, it's a good question because things are different here in terms of the wardrobe. Uh, I am actually wearing a suit today as I normally do. Uh, I consider myself uh, old school in that respect. The way I always looked at it, uh, and I was taught by some great senior agents uh, who who uh, made a big impression on me. Uh, I always think, and especially when I was overseas, that uh, whoever I meet that day, I may be the only FBI employee that they ever meet. So uh, I want them to get the idea that, you know, how professional the FBI is. And uh, if I could be a billboard for that, then, then I will. Uh, that being said, uh, wardrobe, uh, the work attire in uh, the Hawaiian Islands is what's called Aloha Crisp for the men, uh, which is a, uh, you know, a, a, a Hawaiian shirt that's been pressed and uh, khaki slacks. And in most cases, that's what you'll see uh, the professional attire here, with the exception of, uh, you know, court appearances and the like, that is uh, business here, as well as uh, people wear it. But, you know, like I said, on most days, I wear a suit, and uh, I'm just uh, a victim of habit, if nothing else. (laughs) So um, you mentioned, you mentioned the, the police partners, and we've talked about your Pacific Rim presence. What does that translate to into training for offerings from the FBI to those police partners and even perhaps uh, training relationships for some of the, the Pacific Rim countries that you, you're you close to? Yeah, I, I don't know if anyone is a bigger fan uh, than, the, than I about the National Academy, and I know you've had other speakers on your program. We are, as like every FBI office, trying as... Uh, to send as many National Academy students as we can from our local departments here. And uh, there are a number of National Academy graduates and I meet with them on a regular basis. And uh, that I'm proud to say is uh, continuing uh, this year, despite you know, the COVID, we're able to work it out. However, that National Academy equation equals not just US law enforcement, but uh, international. And I was proud to be able to send a number of Philippine National Police and Philippine uh, Bureau of Investigation agents uh, to the academy. And I think they're on hold for a little while, but um, the area in between the Hawaiian Islands and Asia, uh, there's a number of countries uh, in uh, the Northern Marianas, as well as um, the Federated States of Micronesia that also uh, we try to provide training for. So it's really a team effort uh, from the FBI perspective between uh, our Honolulu office, the furthest uh, west office in the US, as well as our legal attaches in Asia, including in Canberra, Australia, providing uh, as much training as we can per request from the police agencies that that we work with on a regular basis uh, across the Pacific. Let's take a moment to talk about your safety and security. Imagine if every crime could be halted before it happened. Well, while you can't stop every criminal in their tracks, what if you could deter them? That's what Simply Safe's new wireless outdoor security camera does. It's wireless, so it can install anywhere, extending Simply Safe's perimeter of defense from your windows and doors to the far corners of your property. That's right. Simply Safe, the system that U.S. News and World Report names best home security system of 2021, just got even better. 
This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech to help keep you and your family safe. It has an ultra-wide 140-degree field of view, so you can keep watch over your entire yard. It has a 1080p HD resolution with an 8x zoom. That means you can zoom in and clearly see things like faces and license plates to capture critical evidence. And it has an easy-to-remove, rechargeable battery, so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. This camera has it all, and it integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, extending its protection to the outside. Together, it means every door, window, and room are protected. And now, your property will be too. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/bureau. Simply Safe is offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash bureau. Let's take a moment so I can share a brand new sponsor with you that I'm really excited about. It's Green Chef, and we're using it at our home. Green Chef has a meal plan for every healthy lifestyle keto, paleo, plant-powered diets, or even if you just want to have delicious but balanced dishes. Green Chef's expert chefs curate every recipe and with over 30 meal choices every week and the flexibility to switch plans, you'll never have to sacrifice taste for nutrition. You can enjoy restaurant-quality dishes in the comfort of your own home. And with pre-portioned, easy-to-follow recipes delivered right to you, eating well has never been simpler. Never worry about having to plan or shop for dinner again. Green Chef is also America's number one meal kit for eating well, meaning they're the best meal kit whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, pescatarian, or you just want to eat more balanced meals. If, like me, you're fed up with high restaurant prices or you run out of time to get to the supermarket, give Green Chef a try. Go to greenchef.com slash frank one hundred. And use code FRANK100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash FRANK100, code FRANK100. The number one meal kit for eating well can come to your door with Green Chef. Now, let's get back to our special guest. So you, you've had, uh, if I've got this right, uh, about a 30-year, you know, that's three-decade three career in the FBI, counting your time as a scientist, engineer, and now as an agent. But you're relatively new to the Honolulu office. What, when you hit the ground there, when, when new agents or newly assigned personnel hit the ground at FBI Honolulu, what, what are some of the common um, observations that you're you're making, they're making. What's what's life like there in terms of say the mainland? I would have to say, and anyone who's been here on vacation knows, it, it's the most beautiful place in the world, and we're so lucky uh, to be able to see the sunrise and sunset and the ocean uh, on a daily basis. Uh, so we have the advantage here over some offices where I think we're able to have a great work-life balance. When the phone's not ringing and we're away from the office on the weekends, uh, our employees can really enjoy themselves. Uh, all the best things about living in Hawaii are free, uh, being able to take a walk on the beach, jump in the ocean, go hiking. 
So we do have that ability and uh, it is a, a wonderful experience and uh, I can't recommend it high enough uh, to come to Hawaii and work for the FBI uh, because we do have great work in addition uh, to being able to uh, enjoy our time off. We have some of the hardest working people in the FBI in, these, uh, in this office. And uh, as we mentioned before that uh, they're working a variety of very critical national security and criminal matters. The differences between working here and working in other places, I think uh, we are uh, just more reliant on our partners. Uh, so we end up working in a lot of different uh, task force environments, maybe more so than the rest of the uh, FBI 55 field offices. On a regular basis, including here in our building, we have task force members from other state federal agencies working on a regular basis. Uh, and uh, to kind of highlight that, um, I wanted to mention uh, we have something called Threat Team Hawaii, which is not just uh, a multidisciplinary team, including law enforcement officers, but we have uh, expanded that team to include uh, stakeholders from the community, whether it be mental health providers, social services entities, et cetera. Uh, and the goal in this group, uh, in this huge task force environment, is really to battle uh, threats caused by individuals posing a threat of targeted violence. So it's more than just a law enforcement response. It's really the entire community getting together to try to stop those threats. And uh, it's been very successful. And that's another thing that makes uh, Hawaii unique. I'm encouraged to hear that kind of holistic approach to the crime and threat problem. It doesn't take long as an FBI agent to realize that it's it's not all about a law enforcement solution. And so the involvement of community partners, mental health partners that that, you know, look at something more than just as a crime problem, but but a longer term solution, getting people out and away from what causes them to be a part of a criminal element is fascinating. And I'm, I'm, I, this is the first I think I've heard of an example of a kind of task force effort that, that kind of formalizes that. There are bits and pieces of that around the Bureau, uh, particularly when it comes to, say, uh, underage prostitution and getting those uh, girls or guys out of that lifestyle, offering them something else. But really... Uh, really significant to hear you say that. I, I appreciate hearing that. What else, if we were to walk around uh, your office, what would what we, would we see? What do the squads look like? Um, specialty areas, non-agent specialty areas. What what's uh, what's it look like in there? Yeah, because we're a smaller office, uh, we have a smaller footprint than some of the larger offices, but we still have the same components that uh, other offices do, uh, whether it be forensic accountants, uh, intelligence analysts, uh, other professional support staff. You know, they work uh, in the area I like to call the bullpen. Uh, you know, we really have large areas so everyone can collaborate uh, and uh, integrate both the operations and the intelligence parts of the office. Uh, and uh, being, you know, again, not a large office, everybody knows each other. And, uh, you know, with the addition of our task force members, uh, we're really one big family here. And uh, I think uh, it is a great environment to work, uh, particularly because uh, a lot of our partners come from uh, DOD, in addition to law enforcement, and the Department of Defense uh, investigators uh, can really bring a lot of insight into uh, what goes on here uh, on the Hawaiian Islands and on Guam. 
for uh, the presence uh, and the potential of national security threats. Uh, so the, the other thing I'll mention about our office, we are one of the few, uh, if not the only agency that is on the west coast of Oahu here in Hawaii. Uh, so uh, it just brings um, another aspect to uh, making the office unique. And we're actually away from Waikiki. Uh, so we tend to uh, do more things together as a group than uh, dispersing uh, after work. Yeah, the, the, that bond, that partnership is essential. And I think I think through our episodes, the listeners have, have really come to learn that under that FBI roof are so many agencies coming together to try and keep the communities safe. Let me give you, having said that, let me give you a chance to, to kind of highlight some of the success stories of the men and women of FBI Honolulu. Give us Give us some things the office is uh, either historically or more recently proud of in terms of accomplishing the mission. Thank you for asking, Frank. Uh, I wanted to highlight first uh, our efforts. Uh, you know, I mentioned Guam and Saipan, but uh, they don't get enough attention, in my opinion. We, we have an initiative going on right now where there was uh, an effort uh, by both the locals and the FBI to try to uh, locate two missing children, uh, Philoma Luck and her sister, Milena Luck. And uh, we are uh, actively pursuing leads in that case, and we've offered a reward for their disappearance off of Saipan. So that's something that's going on right now uh, to highlight some work that we're doing in Saipan. Well, let me stop uh, you. Let me, Stephen. Let yeah. me let me stop you there. If our listeners and and some of our listeners will will certainly be West Coast, if not Hawaii itself, repeat that for us. And what can they do if they've got any information that might touch on these uh, these missing kids? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, the Luck sisters disappeared May 25th, 10 years ago. And uh, again, they vanished from Saipan in the Northern Mariana Islands. So our reward is up to $25,000 for information leading to uh, their identification and location. Uh, they were nine and 10 at the time they disappeared uh, on Saipan. You know, their disappearance, of course, sparked a massive community and law enforcement effort to locate them. And we are not, we have not forgotten about them and we're continuing to work. So if anyone does have any leads, uh, we would be uh, very appreciative. Please uh, call the FBI's office in Saipan, 670-322-6934. Again, 670-322-6934. And you can find uh, their missing photos on the FBI.gov website. And uh, if anyone took a look, uh, a lot of the information uh, you might be looking for is available on that. So thank you for uh, letting me make that pitch, Frank. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Uh, tell, give us uh, give us some other cases that uh, you're working on uh, that, that you'd like to highlight. Yeah, um, you know, one of the recent successes we've had, and it really shows our strong relationship with the military here on Oahu, uh, we had a successful case where we arrested a subject at Kaika Kang is his name, and uh, he was in the U.S. Army, uh, and at the same time, he was making threatening statements and, you know, basically believing in pro-ISIS uh, rhetoric, all while working with the U.S. Army. So in our partnership with our JTTF here in the U.S. Army, uh, we were able to work a case against him. Uh, he became more and more radicalized so far as to uh, actually providing training and that sort of thing, buying equipment. So he was charged and arrested, material support for terrorism uh, and those uh, sort of charges. And then uh, in 2017, we were able to arrest him and, uh, and prosecute him successfully. So really proud of our team uh, on the counterterrorism side for that. 
And then, uh, you know, talking about another national security matter, uh, one of the cases that I think provides a really unique and interesting example of what we do and what the threats we're faced with here on Hawaii. Uh, again, working, uh, you know, with our partners, we were able to successfully prosecute a man named Nashir Gawadia. He's a, he was a resident here in Maui, and he was uh, communicating classified national defense information to a foreign adversary. Uh, so uh, he actually went to trial and we were successful in the trial thanks to the great work done by the team, including the U.S. Attorney's Office. And he um, specifically was trying to collect information about cruise missile exhaust systems. Uh, and by having that information, it obviously makes those uh, weapons very vulnerable to exploitation and attack by our adversaries. So very proud of our national security team for that. On the criminal side, uh, we are very actively uh, working with the local police here on violent crime matters, uh, including uh, street crime and gangs. Uh, and that uh, is an ongoing effort that uh, we've had some successes on lately. And I'm, I'm very proud of the team that does that. Uh, and throughout the AOR, uh, we are always uh, interested in taking on challenges related to the violent crimes against children and uh, have been very successful in uh, taking some of those people off the streets as well. So it's always a, uh, a matter to be going through and readdressing our priorities, but regarding all these cases, um, just proud of our team and, and the great people, men and women that work for the FBI in Honolulu. You should be, and and we're glad for them, and we're glad that you're now in that leadership position. I think, if nothing else, you know, we've we while we all think of Hawaii as a great place to vacation, we've learned on this episode that the FBI's working there 24/7 to keep all of us safe from counterterrorism to espionage to white collar to violent crime. Um, you've, you've given us a taste of, of life at FBI Hawaii, and we're appreciative for that. Please go back and thank your teams on behalf of the, the men and women of America for all they do. Of course. And thanks for the opportunity. I'm so proud to represent the men and women of the FBI of Honolulu. Our guest this episode has been Special Agent in Charge Stephen Merrill from FBI Honolulu. Uh, we'll say aloha until next time. I hope you enjoyed our trip to the balmy Hawaiian islands because next time we may want to pack some winter gear as we head to our neighbor to the north and sit down with the agent in charge of the FBI's presence in Canada. See you there. The Bureau is written by Frank Fagluzzi and executive produced by Allison Gill with sound design and editing by Molly Hockey. The show is engineered by Matt Brousseau with podcast art design by Johanna Coxeter. Music for The Bureau is written and composed by Peter Rydberg. The Bureau is a proud member of MSW Media Network, a collection of independent creator-owned podcasts focused on news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.